sharing all of this that's happening. Well, if you know anything about one of those apostles, like I mentioned, Paul, Paul, as he's going, I kind of glossed over that, going from place to place. Well, it's not so smooth. It's not going, you know, to the Greyhound uh, headquarters, purchasing his bus ticket and getting there. It's not going to American Airlines, and they weren't around back then, and saying, hey, you know what, I'm ready to get on my flight, and we're going to go over here. He's going from place to place. He's getting in prison. He's getting beaten. He's getting, I mean, just uh, all kinds of horrible things happening to him as the people that he's talking to are rejecting what he's saying, some of them, and, and leaders that had um, been part of what was called the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees, of which he was one of them, uh, they're, they're thinking that he's an imposter. They think that he's coming with this new gospel that's, that's untrue. Um, the Romans start to pay attention to him because they're like, ah, he's stirring up trouble. Maybe he's like a little terrorist trying to create this sect, this group that's causing this turmoil and they start to imprison him they start to do all these things well throughout those journeys we just see some real chaotic moments um, of life of paul's life and if you know anything about paul you know that by and large if you were to examine his life you would find that there wasn't many smooth patches all right it's like from one situation to another situation to another just a tumultuous life tumultuous time one of those times occurs in, in Acts 28. This is when he's in prison and he was beaten and, and he's, uh, he was in, 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 in Jerusalem and he, he, he appeals, excuse me, he, he appeals and he wants to go uh, back and he appeals in, in his Roman citizenship. He appeals uh, to be able to go back and be heard by a higher authority. And so he's going back and he's shipwrecked. And he's shipwrecked on this island, which is where we find ourselves in Acts 28. So after in Acts, all of from Pentecost, the early church. Oh, uh, also in Acts, we find where the persecution started. And that early church has, has to be spread out because of persecution. And what one would think is a horrible situation ends up being a great situation because the gospel in the hearts and in the lives of each one of these Christians begins to be spread around as they themselves are spread around because of persecution. And we find that. We find that um, now not only is there um, the truth given to the Jews, but all of a sudden there is this introduction of the truth given to the Gentiles of which you and I are thankful for because we are part of that group. We are part of the non-Jewish community. And so we are the Gentiles of which now um, here we find that is being introduced as the recipients of the gospel as well. Whereas before that, it was unheard of. It was not something that was normal or, or acceptable. But we find here that that's the case. Find a chaotic scene, as I said, in Acts 28. You're still with me, right? I haven't lost you. We're good. Got the, got the picture. We're there. All right. Acts 28. It's a chaotic scene as well. Ship, shipwrecked in, in, in Melita. And here in Melita, they're shipwrecked. Um, I found this interesting. If you, we're not going to read the verses uh, just for the sake of time. But uh, as the shipwreck is happening, the, the ship's going down. It, the, the storm has tossed it around. It's breaking apart. So they're, they're, it's a ship full of prisoners and guards, right? And the guards, if they lose one prisoner, that, they're, that costs them their life. They, they pay with that for their life. That was to keep them honest, to keep them from taking a bribe and letting the prisoner go or something like that. So they're at the point where they're like, all right, the ship's going down. We're going to get shipwrecked. Who knows what's going to happen to everybody? They start to consider, let's just kill all the prisoners. And at least us guards, we're okay, we're fine, but... The prisoners, if something, if something happens to them, it's on us. At least that way we can say we killed them all. None of them got away. 
And uh, obviously, one of those prisoners uh, um, is a man by the name of Paul, right? So that's a, that's a bad situation for him. But lo and behold, because of his testimony, because of a centurion that he had uh, been able to witness to, this, they're saved, the prisoners are saved, but they're shipwrecked, they swim, they float, they grab onto pieces of wood, and they get to this island called Melita. Well, here on the island, they're gathering wood, they're doing some things, and in the midst of that, Paul is bitten by a snake, by, by a poisonous snake, right? So like I said, Paul's, Paul's life, one chaotic scene to another. If it's not shipwrecked, if it's not in prison, if it, by the way, the, during that time that he's in prison before this is when he writes some of those other books that we'll find later on in the New Testament. And so in every chaotic scene, it's incredible because I believe the three points that I have this morning will point to what Paul found in the midst of a chaotic life, in the midst of chaotic seasons. He found some three, three truths that I find that this morning would be great for us to look at. But here's the key. Here's a, here's a chaotic scene leading up to the passage that I want us to read, okay? So he gets snake bit. He's on this island of which they're pagans. They're, 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 they're worshiping false gods. They're not believers in God. And so in the middle of that, they see him get bitten by a poisonous snake. Well, on that island, as in every island, it's known what's going to happen, okay? You get bit by a poisonous snake. Um, uh, out where I live, there's these little critters called rattlesnakes, and um, and out in out there, um, we we were really rejoicing here this last uh, year because we haven't seen them in like a year, and that's been good. But out of the out of the nine or ten years that we've lived there, um, every season we usually kill about three or four rattlesnakes, right? And um, and 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 we've had pets throughout the years that uh, unfortunately have not uh, come out on their best side of a rattlesnake bite, okay? And so I remember our little dog, Ranger, uh, he was one that actually did come out, okay? Uh, our little brown dog, Ranger, and uh, Ranger, uh, somehow he got bit on his back leg by, uh, by a rattlesnake. And so when we got back from church on a Sunday, we rushed him to the, to the vet. That cost me way too much money. But anyways, and, uh, and so there they, they put in the anti-venom and they saved his life. But man, that venom just ate up his back leg, and not to be gross before lunch this morning, but I mean, all the meat, all the fur fell off. Literally, it looked like he had a skeleton back leg. It was real bad. Just the ligaments and the bone was all that was left there. And then slowly, it began to grow back, but only because it had been <clears throat> hundreds, thousands of dollars worth of, of anti-venom had been put in him to save his life, right? And so here on this island, there's no anti-venom yet. And so when something is bit, someone is bit by a snake like that, they expect, hey, here, here's, the hand's going to swell up. It, it, pretty soon it's going to travel into his blood system, into his bloodstream, into the nerve system, and, and he's going to die within a matter of moments, a matter of hours maybe, depending on how good the poison was. You say, well, maybe it was a dry bite. Well, no, we find there that the Bible describes it, Dr. Luke describes it, that literally the viper was hanging from his arm. So literally it was such that it was, it was a clinging into him with the snake. Anybody knows that a, a rattler snake can, can bite and come back and be a dry bite, but if it bites and sticks, it is shooting that venom through those little needles that are just like a needle type thing with the little drips going in there full of poison. You're a goner. Paul's there, chaos, confusion. He gets snake bit. And nothing happens to him. God uses that chaotic moment for him to be glorified, for God to be able to show and manifest his power. Shortly thereafter, one of the chief important people of that island, his dad is sick. And, and God empowers Paul to be able to go and manifest the power of God through him in healing this chief, this most important person on the island's dad, and he's able to be healed. And there for three months, he's there on that island. 
and he's teaching and preaching in the midst of a chaotic season. He's sharing, 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 sharing. Well, three months later, they leave. They arrive at Rome. And he brings the Jewish leaders around to talk with them. And here at the last part of, of Acts chapter 28 is where we find our scene. So we're going to pick it up. I've been debating where we're going to pick it up. But we're going to pick it up verse 17, okay? So, Tanya, you're back there. Verse 17 is where we're going to pick it up. And it came to pass that after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together. And when they were come together, he said unto them, Men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people or the custom of our fathers, yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, would have let me go, because there was no cause of death in me. But when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I ought to accuse my nation of, for this cause, therefore, have I called for you to see you and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. Okay, a little bit of, I, I, I continue to read the, the King James. I want to just clarify here. Okay, here's what's happening. Okay, Paul's sent to Rome, uh, from, uh, to Rome. He's meeting the Jewish leaders because the, the Romans had let the Jews kind of in certain aspects self-govern in some, some of these aspects. And so he appeals to come back to Rome. Paul's brought back to Rome, and he's trying to share with them, look, I, 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 I was... Before the Romans, I have no, I've done nothing to be guilty of something. But the Jews, the Jewish leaders, they hate my guts. And they, they want me to be put to death. And they are adamant. And, and so I had to appeal to the Roman authority, which supersedes the Jewish authority. And, and the reason is because I, I don't hold nothing against my people, my nation. But it holds something against me because of what I preach and what I teach. And verse 20 says... I'm calling you here because my prayer is that in the midst of this chaos, in the midst of this crazy time, that I'm able to share something with you that you need to hear anyway. So he's brought these Jewish leaders and he's sharing with them that truth that they need to hear. Verse 21 says, and when they said unto him, we neither receive letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither any of the brethren that came shewed or, or, or spake any harm of thee. But we desire, verse 22, but we desire to hear of thee what thou thinkest for us concerning this sect, but we, uh, we know that, ev that everywhere it is spaken against, okay? Here's what they're saying. They're saying, look, all right, we're, we're going to let you have an audience with us, okay? Because we want to hear what you have to say about your little group there that supposedly has some new gospel about some Jesus Messiah. We know it's, it's everybody looks bad upon it. It's not offering anything good to the world. It's not going to go anywhere. It's probably going to die here. Little did they know, right? But that's their attitude when they come and bring Paul before them. Verse 23, And when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, and to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed. After that, Paul had spoken one word. Well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto the fathers, saying, Go into these people and say, Hearing ye shall, he ye shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see and not perceive. For the heart of this people is waxed gross, and their eyes are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Be it known, therefore, unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and that they will hear it. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning among themselves. 
And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. Let's pray. Father, Lord, you know that I am a servant that is a sinful servant, falls short of, the, of what I should be. But Father, I thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your love. I thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. Thank you, Father, because you are enough. And this morning, your spirit and your word can do a work in every heart. So, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would guide my thoughts and, Lord, that you would help us to be able to examine your word with a careful eye and with an open heart, Lord, to be able to see with listening ears, not ears that hear and are wax gross, that are a heart that is uh, just uh, callous to the truth. But, Father, that we would be receptive and sensitive to the leading of your spirit. Father, there's so much that you can do in us and through us if we would just be receptive. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would work in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I've titled this morning, What to Do in a Chaotic Season, What to Do in a Chaotic Season or Chaotic Life. In, in Paul's instance, it was something that was continuous, chaos after chaos after chaos. You kind of find that in Jesus' ministry, in Jesus' three and a half years of ministry. You see that, um, he, um, I remember Eric Getch a couple uh, weeks ago was speaking about the fact that most of the stories that we find in the Gospels is what happens in the interruptions of Jesus' life. It was like, it was in those interruptions that so much happened. It was in those chaotic moments. It was in those big needs that were brought to him that God was able, or Jesus was able to do some incredible things that were recorded in Scripture for us to uh, ponder and to see in his sacred word the truth of that. So this, this, this moment, I'd like to just present to you a truth that I, I believe, I believe, whether you want to look at it as, as just the pandemic, our lives in general, whether you want to look at it at maybe your own personal chaotic season, whether you want to look at it as a church going through chaotic seasons, the truth is, is that there is moments, those moments of chaotic seasons. And I see here in Paul's life some things that I feel that if I had time, I could take you through every one of the, of the, of the instances in Paul's life where he goes through these, and you'll see this continue to be the truths that grip him, that continue to be the, tr the, the, the truths that guide him, and that, that, that fortify those difficult moments, those difficult seasons that are able to, to, to show why it is that God used him in such a mighty way. And so this morning, I just want us to leave with those simple, three simple truths. We'll be done here shortly as we gather and see what God has for us. Verse 23 says, And when they had pointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodgings. He couldn't go to them because he was under arrest, right? He was in prison. They had put him in a house prison, and so they were watching him there, but they could go to him. And the second part of the verse says, And to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus. Number one, I see what to do in a chaotic season is to keep Jesus the focus. Keep Jesus the focus. No matter what's happening in your life, in your marriage, with your kids, in your work, no matter what's happening, no matter where you're at in your spiritual journey, maybe it's been a dry season, maybe you haven't been as faithful, consistent, and because of that, you made some bad choices, maybe it's sin in your life, maybe there's some instances that have just shown themselves to be chaotic, maybe it is looking at anxiety, depression, maybe it is looking at a health crisis in this moment, maybe it is going through the death of a loved one, there's chaotic seasons. Can I encourage you to be like Paul and to keep Jesus the focus? Because though he could have 
factored on or, or focus on the factor that, man, he had just for like the umpteenth time escaped death by that much. He, he could have focused on the fact that, man, he had just been bitten by a, by a, by a poisonous snake and, and had had to, to, in those moments, he didn't know he was gonna, that God was going to withhold that poison from him. He didn't know what was going to happen. He had been through that, but he didn't focus on the trauma. He didn't focus on the chaos of the season, of the moment. He focused, and he kept his focus on Jesus. And time and time again, we see that. I love the two words that are said there in the second part of verse 23. To whom, uh, when it's talking about, he's talking to these Jewish leaders. To whom, it says, he, this being Paul, expounded and testified. Now, he, here's what I want us to focus on. Expounded and testified. Expounded in the sense that there was truth of which he knew, which we'll, we'll find out about here, that it was having to do with the law of Moses, the prophets. That was scripture that was the scripture up to that moment, right? That was the word of God. So he was taking the word of God, and he was taking it and being able to know it enough himself, which again, him being a previous Pharisee, he probably had most of the, the, the Old Testament, most of the law of Moses and the prophets memorized because most Pharisees did. But not only that, he didn't only have head knowledge now, but the Spirit of God had worked in his life to take it from head knowledge into heart knowledge and had transformed his life with that truth. And so now he understood and he could see Jesus in Genesis. He could see Jesus in Exodus. He could see Jesus in 1 Samuel. He could see Jesus throughout the entire law and the prophets. He was able to keep and see that. And I want to tell you, dear friend, that that is important to us this morning. Because, you see, it is of utmost importance in that chaotic season of life, to have Scripture in us, to have Scripture in front of us, to know God's Word. I, I tell my campers every time, every se summer season of camp, listen, when, when you get saved, one of the first things you need to do is le learn the books of the Bible. Why? Because this is God's Word. Th th this, is, this is where, this is truth. And your life will have no bearing without truth. You will have no foundation without truth. And, and whether you're a Christian that's been a Christian for one year or seven years or 10 years or 20 years, you should know God's word so that we can expound on it, so that we can know it and, and draw out of it truths that will be taught to ourselves and taught to others. God's truth unfolding, that is the expounding that we find here, the expounding. But not only that, we find that not only he expounded, it says, and testified testified in that it sounds familiar in that beginning part of that word to testimony right it, it was it was the application of what god had done in him it was him being able to say hey one day i was riding this horse and i was going to such and such a place and man god appeared to me and he and he told me something and he and he showed me the truth of who i was oppressing and who i was persecuting and he told me that he loved me and he told me that he had died for my sins and in that moment i came to a personal encounter with jesus christ there was a testifying of what god had done in his life Maybe there he told them, and by the way, just a few days ago, a viper, a poisonous snake, was hanging from my arm. I shook it off into the fire, and I didn't die. And you can go and ask my co-prisoners. You can go ask the guards. They'll testify through the power of God. Friend, do you have that ability to expound on what you know of God's word? 
Do you have those testimonies of when God rescued your marriage, when God rescued your life, when God took you from that depths of sin and where you were? Maybe, maybe it was a coldness. Maybe it was a, a teenage rebellion. When was the last time that you shared with somebody the fact that God did something in your life, that it meant something, that God, uh, he, he was able to work in you? May, they be, may, may there be moments that we testify to others had a wonderful opportunity, my wife and I, this week to share with somebody about what God had done in our lives. And you say, Brother John, but, but you're, you know, our testimony, we grew up as a church, and man, you were, you were a pastor's kid, and you got saved at 12, but there really wasn't much of a difference. There was a difference in me. I knew there was. Sin meant something different to me from that moment on. God meant something different to me. Jesus meant something different to me, to me from then on. Oh, I knew all the Bible stories. Oh, I knew all that had happened. But man, it wasn't until that moment next to my dad's desk there on Citriana Drive right in front of that Castro Elementary School there in that back office where I accepted Jesus Christ. That is something I should still be excited about that God did something in me. The testimony to be testified about. Dear friend, wherever you are at, whatever your testimony is, it's, it's important to share that with somebody. Keep Jesus the focus. You see, in the moments of chaos, it's, it's, it's so easy, it's so simple to drift off and to look at, at what's taking place and, and to jump into the realm of politics and to jump into the realm of other things and, and we can try and, 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 and twist this 27 different ways. But I'm telling you, dear friend, that it is of utmost importance in the moments of chaos to be able to keep Jesus the focus, no matter what's going on. Sometimes I look at my counseling and I look at my counsel and I think, man, that's really simple, but I, I do believe in it. Because whether I'm counseling with a marriage that's struggling, a teenager that's rebellious, whether, whether I'm counseling with somebody going through personal anguish or personal suffering, my answer continues to be the same. Jesus. Jesus is the answer. More of Jesus. More and more of Jesus. Keeping him the focus. The Bible says that Paul, he expounded and testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus. May I just insert here a little parenthesis? May we be careful. Look, I, I, I believe doctrine is of utmost importance. And I believe even like listening to, to, to Pastor Chago last week and even Pastor Jeremy these last several weeks, and man, we should know the depths of doctrine and truth, but we should hold tightly to that. But you know, sometimes we hold tightly to the way we've always done things. And what we should hold tightly to is to what God has said about Jesus, what God has said about his kingdom, that we should be persuading them concerning Jesus, not our way of doing things, not whether or not do we have chairs or benches, do we do this or do we do that. Do we Listen, friend, it should be concerning Jesus that we should be concerned about. Keep the focus on Jesus. Keep the focus on Jesus. You with me? You with me? All right, we're good. But not only that, we see in verse number 30, if we jump down there, well, verse 29, and when he had said these words, the Jews departed, and he had great reasoning among themselves. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all, received all that came in unto him. Remember, these are 
Who would have the ability to go to him? Well, the leaders, because he's in prison, and so he had been called to them. These are the same Jews that wanted him dead. These are the same Jews that, 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 that hated his guts. They were maybe even previous um, uh, 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 people that served with him on the Pharisees or, or on the Sanhedrin. Uh, 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 but these are people that had either damaged him before or wanted to damage him. Okay? And they're coming back to him and listening to him to talk about Jesus and to keep Jesus a focus. And number two, we see that Paul, not only did he keep Jesus a focus, but he continued to show God's love. He continued to show God's love. Two years. Man, I'm sure Paul thought, man, uh, maybe, I, I would imagine, if it was me, if Paul was me, if I could be so bold to say if Paul was me, I would think, man, I'm going to go back, I'm going to appeal to, to these Jewish leaders, and that God's going to work in them, and then I'm going to be able to head back out on my missionary journeys to spread the word. And here he is two whole years. You know, in those chaotic seasons of life, we want out quickly. Isn't that true? Whether it be marital strife, whether it be financial troubles, whether it be whatever the case is, we want out quickly. And sometimes God has us there to linger so that we can learn to keep Jesus the focus, so that we can learn to, to, to continue to not grow weary in the showing of God's love. What did Paul do? The Bible says in verse number 30 that he dwelt there and he received all that came in unto him. Every opportunity in each season of that life. I'm following the journey of, of um, somebody I don't know. We're part of kind of similar friends and similar networks. But his 18-year-old son was just diagnosed with cancer, pretty serious cancer next to his heart. And I've been following on Facebook just the, 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 the journey of this family and, and of this pastor. He's a, he's a pastor. And it's amazing to me just to, to read his posts. And to see how in the midst of that, he continues to be thankful to God. And he continues and he talks about how he, he was able to, to share what God is doing and, and share the good news with nurses. And, and there was somebody roomed together with him. And, and he was able to share with that person. And, and, and how in the midst of that, he's been faithful to what God has called him to do to continue to show God's love in every situation. Dear friend, I don't know what your, what your chaos is. Maybe it's the same one we're all going through. Maybe it's something individual to you. But can I tell you, let's keep Jesus a focus. And let's continue to show God's love. Show God's love. Even to those like the Jewish leaders that are coming to Paul who wanted ill against him, who, who were seeking to damage and hurt him. If they could, they would kill him. They, 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 even against those, Paul was willing to say, I'm going to continue to show God's love. What Joseph had taught him from those Old Testament uh, uh, books that he had memorized and knew. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. That same spirit, that same heart attitude, the same attitude that Paul manifests here. Two years, man, it's a long time. But he didn't grow weary. He was faithful. He continued to show God's love. Says, the Bible says that he received all, received all that came in unto him. Friend, don't grow bitter. You know, in chaos, in moments like that, it's easy to grow bitter. Why did this happen to me? Why is this happening? Why does this happen to my family? Why am I the one going through this? Why, did, why my church? Why my city? Why this? Why, why, why? And we can grow bitter. Paul said, I'll receive all. I'm not going to be exclusionary. 
Anybody who wants to come. Why? Because if they're here, I get a chance to share with them Jesus. Keep Jesus the focus. Continue to show God's love. He wanted the opportunity to share Jesus because he knew that no matter what it was they were going through, no matter what it was, that anger, no matter what it was that they hated about him as he took their gig away because he was there to show that that way of doing things, that that legalistic way of the Sanhedrin and, and following uh, the, the law of Moses in such a way, not understanding that all of that was just to show that they were inept, incapable of keeping all the Mosaic law and that it was just to show them that there was a Savior who was going to fulfill perfectly every part of the law and all they had to do was put their faith and trust in him and that that was going to be enough to satisfy the father and, and even though he knew all that he was patient and he continued to show them in love in love show them god's love he was patient he received all he didn't grow bitter he kept jesus the focus he continued to show god's love not only that we see in verse 31 it says preaching the kingdom of god and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. With all confidence, no man forbidding him. Not only did he keep Jesus focused, not only did he continue to show God's love, but he, he became kingdom-minded, or he continued to be kingdom-minded. He grew in confidence. He grew in that boldness. One, because they weren't coming to shut him down, but two, because he knew, he knew what he was talking about. He had experienced it. He, could, he had read it and he had learned it. He could expound on it. He was, he was bold in it. He was confident in it because he was able to testify to what Jesus had done in his life. Oh, yes, on that road, on that one day, but also throughout those years since that moment in which he had seen the working of God and the power of God. He would write in Romans, for I am not ashamed of the power of God. This, this very morning, dear friend, I want us to know that we have boldness in what we are preaching and teaching. We have boldness and we can be confident in that what we are sharing. This week, as, as we uh, were sharing with, with somebody uh, the gospel, the truth of the gospel, as I sat there, there in our, in our dining room table, I, I was reminded of that, of just how awesome and incredible it is to just have that confidence, to know that what I'm sharing, not only do I believe, but I know it's the truth. I know it's the truth. I know there's thoughts of, man, what about the, the Quran and Allah? And, and what about the Buddhists? And what about this? And, and I think, man, if you just dive in and study it, I guarantee you those that have have come out on the other side believing that this is the truth. It's held up to the test. It, it's been tried to be disproven for thousands of years, and it stood the test of time, and it continues to confirm that we stand on solid ground, and that what we preach, and what we teach, and that Jesus is real, and who Jesus said he was, he truly was, and that God's love changes us, and can change our world. If only our world would turn to him, he would be able to completely restore this world, and be able to do something. Oh, we can have that confidence. We can be bold about it. Be kingdom-minded. Dear friend, we live in a world, okay? We live in the world, okay? And there's no doubt you have to get up and go to work tomorrow. You got to get up, my kids, August 19th, and go to school tomorrow, right? 
You got to get up and you go to got to go about your day. You you got to go and interact with your coworkers and you got to go about and you're going to see your neighbors and, and on and on Friday there's going to be fajitas at the cousin's house and and, and and listen, life is what it is. We're going to go through life, but in the midst of that, may we be kingdom focused. May we realize that every encounter and everything that takes place in our life, maybe even every chaotic moment that is brought in to our life is a season an opportunity to be that light, to be able to show that light to a dark world. And maybe God has you in that family, and God has you in that workplace, and God has you in that marriage, and God has you in that sickness, in that place, because his kingdom is bettered by you being there. And he wants you to show his love to the world. He wants you to keep Jesus the focus, to not get lost in the chaos of the season or the chaos of life. That truly we would reflect the truth of who God is. And friend, understand this. I'm think I, I love apologetics, and, and uh, there's been a lot of turmoil in the world of apologetics in the last year and a half, but I love apologetics, and I love the defense of the faith, and I love science, and I love, you know, I, I encourage you if, you, if you're not an Answer in Genesis subscriber, get in there. I love all that stuff because it gives our minds uh, understanding, those that reason, to be able to look at it. But I want to bring you back to what it says in verse 27. It says, for the heart of this people is wax grows. This is speaking of the Jewish people at this moment. And their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Okay, to up to this point. It's just a simple reasoning, mind, ears, eyes, seeing, that's it, up to there. But then it says in the latter part of that verse, and understand with their heart that they should be converted. Friend, our, our, our goal is to present truth, but then it's, it's to let the Spirit of God work in every heart, right? And, and every, every encounter that we have, I have a good friend of mine, I've been inviting him to church for 15 years, and, and, and every chance that I get, I get a chance to talk with him, I, I realize something, it, it's not about me convincing him, it, it's about me being able to present a little bit more truth on every encounter, every exchange, every phone call, and that one day God would get a hold of his heart. That's why he's on my prayer list, because I know it's not about me convincing him, it's about his heart being steered to God and understanding with his heart that they should be converted and should heal them. Here speaking of the Jewish nation in particular, the truth, the principle is the same. Dear friend, what do you do in those chaotic seasons of life? Well, we keep Jesus the focus. We continue to show God's love. Be faithful. Be faithful. Don't grow weary. Yes, there's moments that just tire us out. I understand that the mundane routine of life but be faithful consistent in showing god's love and then be kingdom focused whether it's on that ball team whether it's at work whether it's at your family function on the fajitas on friday whatever it is be kingdom focused be kingdom minded understand that god has you there and that we can follow paul's example and you'll see this throughout his life Whatever was happening, whether it was Mars Hill or whether it was here, wherever it was, it was a chance to show Jesus, keep Jesus the focus. It was a chance to show God's love. It was a chance to be kingdom-minded continually, continually.
even in his disagreements among his fellow workers, his brethren, it was disagreements about how do we advance the kingdom best. It wasn't about, well, you're not recognizing my authority enough. You don't understand me, me, me. No, no, no. It was about the kingdom. He was kingdom-minded in every part of his life. May God help us in the chaotic seasons of life to be exactly that. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your truth. We thank you, Father, because here in Acts 28, we are reminded of this great truth. Lord, we thank you because you're a loving God. You sent your son, Jesus, to die for us. And every person in this truth must come to, in this room, must come to that truth and come to that moment of that understanding of that truth in their own personal life. We don't go to heaven because we came to church. We don't go to heaven because we're good or bad. Lord, we come and we can be redeemed by trusting you. We can be changed. We become your child by trusting your son, Jesus Christ, as our personal Lord and Savior. Father, I pray that we would share that good news. I pray that if there's somebody within the sound of my voice here in this auditorium or outside of it through the live stream that doesn't know you, doesn't know the forgiveness of their sins, they've carried the weight of their sin for all of their life up to this point, I pray, Father, that before it's eternally too late, that they would turn to you, that they would acknowledge that they are sinners, that they would believe in their hearts that they truly are condemned by that sin, but that they would believe that you paid that price for that sin, that you love them, that they would confess with their mouth and believe in their heart the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Lord, I pray for those of us that are your children here. Lord, you know the chaos of life, the chaos of seasons of life can take us to focus on many other things. And we lose focus of you. Lord, help us to keep you in focus. Lord, help us to continue on, not grow weary, to continue on in showing your love, to not grow bitter, to not say, well, they hurt me, I'm going to hurt them. Father, some of the greatest works that you have are in moments when somebody forgave, healing took place happened in your word it's happened in your church it's happened through the ages father may we be ambassadors of that truth but father may we also be kingdom minded May we understand that you take us on different paths different journeys but in every single instance in every single situation lord you have us there to reflect the kingdom to be ambassadors of that kingdom may our mindset be there Perhaps this morning you say, Pastor John, you've, you've been preaching, you've been teaching, but God's Spirit's been working in my heart, and there's some areas of my life that maybe this truth needs to be really adapted, need to be received in my heart, and God has convicted me of some of this truth, of keeping Jesus the focus, of being able to continue on and not grow bitter, not grow weary. Maybe, maybe it's the fact that I have not been able to be kingdom-minded in my workplace, in my school, and among my family, and I really am convicted about that truth this morning. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand? I'd like to pray for you, just knowing that God worked in your heart. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hands all over the auditorium. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hand on anybody else. God bless you. Amen. Father, I pray, Lord, for the hands that were raised. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would do a work. I thank you for your truth. Guide us and lead us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.